Biden goes on the political trail this week and begins to heat up the rhetoric by othering Republicans. Racism is the new policy of a major bank in the United States, and Herschel Walker leads his Democratic opponent in the Georgia Senate race. I'm your host, Zach, and this is Zach's Fact Shack. Hello and welcome back to Zach's Fact Shack. We have a lot to discuss today. Before we get there, though, I want to remind you guys again to go ahead and like, subscribe, share, and make sure you comment on this video, on this podcast, wherever you're listening or watching at. That helps make sure that other people are seeing the interactions that you have with the video. It's the quickest and easiest thing you can you can do to support this page. So go ahead and do it. It takes two seconds. Go ahead, like right now. It's right there. Click it. Click right there. Okay, you see that? Subscribe and then like. Hit that again. Good. All right. Glad you did that. That's all I'm asking. Super duper simple. You didn't even have to break a sweat out. I mean, isn't that so simple? Remember, go ahead and like to let your friends know about where you're getting all of this information and the news that you're finding so helpful and reliable. Again, my goal here is to make sure that you have as an accurate picture of what's going on as possible with as little opinion as possible. I will give you my opinion. I'm not going to hide that, but I do try to separate the two so that you know exactly what's going on and kind of get rid of the spin. Again, I've I've often told everybody that I'm not a partisan. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I just want the truth. And if one party or the other will give that, that's where I'm going to go. All right. So that's what we're going to do here with this, right? I'm going to live by my own rules. Let's find the truth. Let's put that out there and let's let people know what that is. Now let's go ahead and get started because the first story we have today is absolutely a doozy. So I'm just sitting here minding my own business, being impatient for the new car that I'm buying, waiting for it to show up, just in, you know, just enamored with that, completely missing out on all the new stories that are happening And then, bam, I get hit when I go look on Twitter to find out what's been going on. And lo and behold, would you believe it? Biden has said something stupid yet again. I mean, let's face it. Whether you support Biden or you don't, we can all understand that he makes statements that make no sense, right? He absolutely says things that make no sense. It's one of the biggest things that people had against Trump is Trump would say things that are absolutely verifiably stupid, if not outright false, right? We understand that. And anybody with integrity would say that you admit that, right? That that yes, Trump had that problem, but now we need to admit that Biden has this problem, right? He says things that are stupid, but this is not a statement you can apply to that. What he ended up saying at a uh, uh, fundraising campaign event cannot be put under the guise of a Biden gaffe. He absolutely meant what he said. And so far, he's actually doubled down and continued to push what he said. Let's go ahead. I have a clip here from MSNBC that I want you to watch. They're going to explain what's going on. And then I'll start, I'll talk after that. So listen up. With just over two months to go before the midterm elections, President Biden had a a new attack on Republicans during a fundraiser last night. 
The president said, quote, what we're seeing now is the beginning or the death knell of an extreme MAGA philosophy. It's not just Trump. It's the entire philosophy that underpins the I'm going to say something. It's like semi fascism. That's a quote. In a campaign event before his fundraiser, Biden pointed his attack squarely on former President Trump. In 2020, you and 81 million Americans voted to save our democracy. That's why Donald Trump isn't just a former president. He is a defeated former president. Joining us now, NBC News senior White House correspondent Kelly O'Donnell. Kelly, it's great seeing you. So what more can you tell us about this president's message? Well, important to point out that there are two kinds of campaign events for the president. The first one where you played uh, just you gave the quote. There was no camera there, but they do allow some representatives, some reporters to be inside a fundraiser with the big dollar donors to just be aware of what is the president communicating to donors and then a separate public event. And sometimes what the president says matches up and sometimes it's a little different. And that can be very illustrative of the planning for what does uh, this president and the Democratic Party want to do uh, waging the battle ahead for the midterms? And so clearly, uh, President. So. What we know from that clip that we just watched. Is that. Biden views. Republicans. Or Trump voters who are the vast majority of Republicans. Whether you liked Trump or not, most Republicans voted for Trump. In fact, many independents voted for Trump and many Democrats voted for Trump. Those people are now othered by Biden. They are dehumaned, are dehumanized is the word I should use, by this statement of semi-fascist. I mean, let's think about it. When you hear the term fascist. What do you think of? You think of Nazi Germany, right? You think of uh, Mussolini's Italy, right? You think of World War II. You think of these um, massive, powerful um, executive states in these countries because the legislatures were pushed out, right? They had no power. It all went into these dictatorships and the uh, autocracy that he would create with his group um, in the center, right? You would have the leader, Hitler or Mussolini, and all of his cabinet members, basically, uh, would, 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 they would actually operate the entire government. The legislature really didn't mean anything at this point. That's fascism. What we're looking at is Biden increasing rhetoric because he's raising the temperature in the room simply because what does it mean when you think of Hitler? You think of the Holocaust. You think of a evil person that should be removed by all means necessary. That's why the, that's why we fought World War II, right? By any means necessary, we removed that dictator. We removed his supporters we removed those people and we had the Nuremberg trials where we put these people on trial for the atrocities that they committed in the name of fascist Nazi Germany. Now, this is what 
I'm getting to, why I think this is so important. Because if Republicans are fascist now, if they are equal to Nazis, to Hitler, what are you not willing to do to keep them from having power? If you knew, if you're in charge of the government and you knew that the next leader of the government was going to be Hitler and you knew he was going to execute millions of people, you knew he was going to commit atrocities in the name of the government. Is there anything legal or illegal that you would not consider doing to stop him from gaining power? Exactly. You would do everything in your power to stop that from happening. What we're saying now, what the President of the United States is saying now, is that Republicans and those with a conservative lean are equal to Nazis. And that means, by extension, that whatever is necessary to keep them from taking power is perfectly fine, up to and including executions. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. What I'm saying is is that we're opening the door for that with this rhetoric. How do I know? Well, here's the thing. The governor of New York made made a very, very similar statement, a very similar sentimented statement earlier. Listen to this. And we're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinaro just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town. Get out of town. Because you don't re- you don't represent our values. You are not New Yorkers. So, I understand the sentiment. I understand. I, I, I'm perfectly fine if Republicans decide to leave New York. I think that it's probably better that they leave New York and allow New York to suffer its fate for the the policies that they've chosen to enact. But here's the thing. That's calm. That's, that pales in comparison to what Biden is saying, because here's the thing. What was, what, what did Nazi Germany first do when the Nazis came to power? They didn't start immediately killing Jews, right? They didn't start immediately abusing uh, people. Instead, They ordered people out of the country. They ordered Jews out of the country. They ordered people that they considered to be less than human out of the country. So a few weeks ago, we start out with leave New York. You're not a New Yorker. If you're a Republican, you're not a New Yorker. Then we move to the president. The president says that Republicans are fascists. You see the path that we're going downhill, down here? How about the White House doubles down on this whenever they call the Republicans extremists, terrorists? L- l- listen to their, their doubling down 
with the White House spokesperson. thinks that there is an extremist threat to our democracy. Uh, the president has been clear, as he can be, on that particular uh, piece when we talk about a democracy, when we talk about our freedoms. Uh, the way that he sees is the MAGA Republicans are the most energized part of the Republican Party. Uh, the, that extreme, this is an extreme threat to our democracy, to our freedom, uh, to our rights. So Republicans, not all Republicans according to that statement, just MAGA Republicans. Now, what is a MAGA Republican? Now, that, that's where it gets confusing, right? It, 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 it's, 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 it's hard to define, right? Who, who's a MAGA Republican? Is, that, is your grandfather a MAGA Republican? Just because he voted for Trump and he liked Trump's policies, but he doesn't really like Trump, but he does like the, he does like the idea of making America great again. Is that is that a MAGA Republican underneath these terms, underneath this this statement? Is he an extremist because he wants the country to be the best that it can be? See, here's the thing, guys. That's all that MAGA is. Now, I understand that Trump brings a lot of baggage with him, and I understand that. Trump is not liked by a lot of people, and I'm right there with you. I, I, I don't like Trump. I don't think that he is a good option for the next president. Um, I've, already, I've, I've kept that very, very plain with you guys. I've been very honest about that. I don't like him. I don't think he's a good fit. Um, I think that he will do more damage than good. I'm ready for him to walk away. Just walk into the sunset and be the former president. It's fine. Just go away. I don't need you back. Now. What I will tell you is this. The idea that the President of the United States could declare the opposing party fascist, that the opposing party are extremists, that they're a threat to the very fabric of our country. Again, if you knew that someone actually was a threat to the very fabric of the country and you were afraid that they might take power, what would you not do to stop them? Again, you would do everything possible to stop them. And I think you would be right to. So what we're saying what we're seeing right now is rhetoric that would allow people to come to the conclusion that any means necessary to defeat these evil fascist Republicans is a method you should use. Again, what would you not consider using? Would you consider cheating? Would you consider terror? Would you consider intimidation? Would you consider murder? Are those things you would consider to stop the evils that are being portrayed as coming to power? I think you would. I think you would absolutely stop. You, you use those options to stop that evil. But here's the thing. In the, in the same, I, I believe it's the same speech where Biden basically said that, you know, or semi-fascist, right? You know, not this, that speech, but the, the same event, the actual public part of the event. He actually made another statement that I thought was very interesting and very telling, um, especially if you're a more conservative-leaning person and you believe that you have the right to self-defense. Listen, listen to what he says. 
And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe, if you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15. You need something a little more than a gun. No, I'm not joking. Think about this. Think about the rationale we use. That's you. Any time that Biden says, I'm not joking, he's lying or lost it. Those are generally the two things you can understand whenever he says, I'm not joking. This statement, I think, does have, and I'm going to go into opinion here, and you, you can say that I'm wrong, and that's fine. It's, that's, you're, perfect, you're perfectly right to assume, uh, to, to have your own opinion on this matter. But what I'm seeing is this. I'm seeing that Biden just said along the lines that your guns are obsolete, the Second Amendment doesn't matter because we'll just use F-15s on you. Now, again, I can be wrong. You can assume that I'm wrong. You can assume I'm crazy. But we have a man who is othering, actively othering, dehumanizing an entire half, if not more, of our country. He's telling you that it's okay to use any means necessary to thwart them coming to power. And then he has the audacity to say, and by the way, you shouldn't have guns to defend yourself because the government will just blow you up. I've heard this argument many times from a friend of mine. Greatest intentions, good guy. You know, I, I don't have any problems with him. Uh, like I said, he's a friend of mine. He's a good guy. But I think he's entirely wrong in this. Yeah, could the government absolutely nuke you? Sure, it could. But here's the thing. Why is it that a bunch of insurgents with guns in Iraq, in Afghanistan, crippled the greatest military to ever exist on this planet? I'm not saying that that the U.S. military couldn't have just obliterated the place. They could have. They absolutely could have. But here's the thing. If the federal government desired desired to nuke people with guns, there wouldn't be a whole lot of usable country left. Well, people say, well, they just won't use the they won't use nukes, they'll just use conventional bombs. Okay, cool. Still there wouldn't be a lot of usable infrastructure left. Of the 330-odd million Americans, there are 400 million guns owned by around 80 million people. Now, do I think that 
all of them will stand up and defend themselves with those guns against a tyrannical government? No, I don't. I'm not saying that. But even if you had 10%, 8 million people, 1%, 800,000 people stand up with their arms and defend the country. That would be very difficult to stop. Now, would that mean that these rebels would go and win the day? And No, I'm not saying that either. But what I am saying is that trying to conquer a land that is armed is very, very difficult. But the threat, the veiled threat, in these statements is huge. And again, you may think that I'm overreacting. You may think that like, man, that's never going to happen. Put, you know, take your tinfoil hat off. Fine. You can think that. You are absolutely entitled to that opinion. But here's the thing. You're only entitled to that opinion so long as Either the Second Amendment protects it, protects your right to freedom of speech and freedom of opinion, or as long as the government approves of it. Those are two options. You see, the Constitution did not grant you these rights. The Constitution recognized these rights. In fact, the Federalists were very the Federalist Papers are very clear on this that. Just because it's not in the Constitution doesn't mean you don't have a right to it. It just means it's not in the Constitution. That's why we have legislatures. That's what, to protect rights that are not in the Constitution. But if you want to protect rights permanently, or well, semi-permanently, you would take an amendment and put it into the Constitution. That's what you would do. But what we're watching right now is a government set on removing your rights to defend yourself, to freedom of speech. And now they are absolutely othering half of the population of the the country by declaring them less than human, worthy of less sympathy, less understanding, less grace, because somehow they're evil simply because of who they voted for. I don't understand how we got to this point, but I know we can't stay in this point. And anyone who is watching the news right now, looking at what's going on, actually keeping their head out of the sand. They're beginning to understand that. The amount of people I know who are just like, I don't watch the news because I don't want to have to live in that depression. And that's fine. I totally understand. Because doing this show and wading through the absolute dung heap that is the news every day to bring you information I think is relevant That's depressing. It really is. 
But here's the thing. I could tell you whatever I wanted. And unless you're informed, you're just going to believe what I said. I don't ever, ever want you to watch this show and blindly take what I say. I want you to look it up. I want you to read. I want you to investigate. I want you to know for yourself that what I'm saying is true. And if you find that I'm wrong, let me know. Because my ultimate goal here is not to give you my opinion. My ultimate goal is to give you the truth. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm failing as a show. But I'm blind to my own biases in a lot of ways. And unless you're willing to tell me, and I've got a few people who do, they come in here, they have, I've given them the right to say, hey, that was a bad move. You shouldn't say that. And I've corrected. Whenever they're right, I've corrected. Such as last week, or not last week, but the last episode. I flippantly said, he, she, or it. Now, this was in reference to a transgender person who I had shown the story of who was suffering due to a botched, I believe it was vaginoplasty. At the time, I did not know what surgery in particular that was. So I couldn't reference whether it was a man becoming a, trying to become a woman or a woman becoming a man. I didn't know. And it, was, it wasn't clear from the rest of the post. It's one way or the other. So I simply said, he, she, or it. This brought some ire from a person I trust who said that it would likely turn people off. And perhaps he's right. And for that, I want you to understand that it was not out of a lack of care or a desire to hurt anyone. It was simply out of confusion. Not knowing what gender this person is claiming to be or was biologically. And for that, I apologize. I'm not going to sit here and try to uh, strong-arm people into... uh, into one way or the other. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I am right on everything. But more often than not, I am. What I am going to say is simply this. That person, he, she, they, them, these are whatever the word is that they're trying to use. I do not know it. They did not clarify in the post that I read is suffering because of a botched mutilation and no ability to repair it. And my sympathy goes out to that person. Period. It does. To suffer like that due to the abuse and neglect of the medical staff around them is unconscionable. It should never happen. And my statements were somewhat flippant, and I don't want them to be. So that is my statements to you to show you that if I'm not sure, if I have misspoke and someone comes to me and corrects me, I will correct that on air right here with you guys because I want you to be able to trust me. I want you to know that what I'm telling you to the best of my knowledge is the truth 
as it stands. And if I find info that needs to be changed, I will bring it back to you and let you know that it needs to be changed. Now, I want to get to the next story because, guys, this one, this one absolutely is a doozy. And it's simply this, that Bank of America announces zero down payment, zero closing cost mortgages for first-time homebuyers, which sounds great. Like, woohoo, the, the, the interest rates are through the roof. Everything is so expensive. We have in, in, ridiculous inflation. But that's not the end of the headline, that they're going to do this in Black and Hispanic communities nationwide. Now, why am I upset about that? Am I upset about that? What I'm upset about here is simply this. If I read to you a headline that simply said, Bank of America announces zero down payment, zero closing costs for first-time home buyers in predominantly white communities nationwide, what would be your reaction? Because I know what my reaction would be. I would be furious. How dare you make a decision based on someone's race? How dare you? We as a country have worked hard to get past our past racism, our past racist policies, and here you go backing us into it. Well, here's the thing. I don't think they're backing us into racism. I think they're going full front into it. They see a brick wall and they're they flooring it. Anytime you do something that benefits someone solely based on how much, how well they can tan, that's racism. If you're going to sit here, you're going to tell me that it's okay to treat someone differently based solely on their skin color, you are a racist. Period. I don't care if you're white. Black, pink, purple, brown, red, indigo, ultraviolet. I don't care what color your skin is. It makes no difference to who you are or the value that you have. So why should you be treated differently based on it? Let me read this article from NBC News, and let's see, let's see if this is a good or bad policy. I don't want to be accused of just reading headlines. Bank of America said it is now offering first-time homebuyers in a select group of cities zero down payment, zero closing cost mortgages to help grow homeownership among Black and Hispanic slash Latino communities. The option will first become available in certain neighborhoods in Charlotte, Dallas, Detroit, Los Angeles, and Miami. The new mortgage, called the Community Affordable Loan Solution, aims to help eligible individuals and families obtain an affordable loan to purchase a home, the bank said. Applicants do not have to be black or Hispanic to qualify for the product, a bank representative said. And that, that's the key. See. I read this, and I followed along with what the right was saying. 
And I gave you their spin. I gave you their story. Knowing this sentence was here. Because, I mean, let me, but I read this. I read this story. You see, here's the thing. This is why I want you to always check what I say. To always go back. And to always look at what I'm saying and what I'm doing. Question me. Because this, you could cut that clip and walk away. And you would have been misinformed. But now, with this one sentence, everything changes. See, applicants do not have to be black or Hispanic to qualify for the product, a bank representative said. That's a huge sentence. But the headline misrepresents. To get that, those clicks, to get that ire, to get the shares, to get the eyeballs on it. Because they knew that conservative media would push us as racist. They knew that the left would also push it as racist, but in a good way, because to the left, not liberals, to the left, racism is good. As long as you are detracting from white people, it's good. This simply says that in predominantly lower income, black and Hispanic communities, they're going to push everything they they have to help homeowners of all races get a house or first-time homebuyers get a house. I think that's a good thing. I think if they're going to be raising the closing costs or lowering the closing costs, lowering the down payments necessary, Here's the one thing I am worried about. I want this to work. I want it to be a good idea because I understand that people are actually hurting and this would be a huge relief to those people if they were able to be able to purchase a house, to be able to um, get that house of their dreams, to be able to move their life forward, if they were able to do that. But what I'm worried about is what led to the 2008 crash of the housing market was the predatory lending to subprime candidates, meaning that they didn't have a great credit score. I hope that this this will look at people and say, you know what? You have a good credit score. You've done a good job. You just don't have the money on hand to be able to purchase a house, but you would be able to pay for it over time. I think that would be a good thing. Let's continue this. As a quote from A.G. Barclay, which is the head of, an, of neighborhood and community lending for the Bank of America, said, homeownership strengthens our communities and can help individuals and families to build wealth over time. Our community affordable loan solution will make the dream of sustained homeownership attainable for more black and Hispanic families, and it is part of our broader commitment to the communities that we serve. The loan requires no mortgage insurance, which is the additional fee typically charged to buyers who put down less than 20% of the purchase price, and no minimum credit score. And that's where I'm concerned. 
Instead, eligibility will be based on factors like timely rent payments, an on-time utility bill, phone, and auto insurance payments. Prospective buyers must also complete a home buyer certification course provided by Bank of America and federally approved housing counseling partners before they apply for the loan program, the bank said. The racial gap in homeownership rates in the U.S. remained substantial in 2020, the most recent year for which National Association of Realtors data was available. Here's the thing. I agree that you should have low interest. I agree that you should have no closing costs, no down payment. I even think that you should look at the broader score, the broader history of someone's credit, that they are making payments. They are doing the utility bills. But here's the thing. I think that you can go so far in ignoring clear red flags in the name of decency, in the name of correcting past wrongs, that you can create new wrongs. Think about this way. If someone of whatever race, it doesn't matter, if someone who's mismanaging their money and unable to pay their credit cards correctly, they have high debt low income ratio. They're getting things paid, but they don't really have the money available to pay for a mortgage and the AC and the fridge that goes out and the plumbing that has a problem. They don't have that ability because they don't have the funds. It's tied up in debt. Your credit score helps people see that and show that. Yet here we are saying that no minimum credit score is needed, which means you could have a 400. And technically, you would be able to qualify for this so long as all the other qualifications were met. Guys, that's how we got to 2008, by giving loans to people who could not afford them. I agree in the sentiment of this, of helping lower income groups. That seems like this is all pointed at, to help low income groups of all races be able to buy homes. But the thing is, I think they're going to do it at the cost of everyone else. Do you remember what happened? Do you remember what happened in 2008 when all of these loans were called back? It took us 10 years to recover. Millions lost their jobs. I have no idea how many likely committed suicide due to the issues caused by the debt to that, that, that they had to deal with. No idea. But what I do know is that millions of people suffered because of loans very much like this. 
I hope that this works. I hope it works out and we don't have to deal with another 2008 type crash. But with the way that our economy is already setting right now, I would be very surprised if that was the case. I would be very surprised if we didn't have another crash just like that due to principles and policies like this. Now, I want to cover one last thing. You, all of you know that I live in Georgia. So this is a, this is a story that is very, uh, very important to me and a lot of people who actually listen to this show or to watch this show. And it's, it's an Emerson College poll who of late in the last several elections has been incredibly accurate. Um, they, like, they have been within a point or two of the final results pretty much every time. And they have accurately predicted the winner more often than not, which many polls have not been able to say. Emerson has been very, very accurate. What they've said, I'm just going to read you their, their statement. So, the latest Emerson College polling survey of the Georgia, of, of the Georgia general election finds Senator Raphael Warnock trailing his Republican opponent, Herschel Walker, by two points, 44% to 46%. 4% plan to vote for someone else, and 7% are undecided. Regardless of whom they support, 53% expect the incumbent senator to win, while 47% expect Walker to win. This reflects a tightening of the race since April, when Emerson... Uh, had Walker ahead 49% to 45%. Spencer Kimball, executive director for Emerson College, Emerson College Polling, said Walker leads Warnock among rural voters 58 to 24%. It's a wide margin. While Warnock leads Walker by a larger margin of 66% to 25% among urban voters. In the suburbs, though, Voters are breaking for Walker by a nine-point margin, 50% to 41%. In the gubernatorial 2018 rematch, 48% plan to support Governor Brian Kemp, while 44% plan to support Stacey Abrams. 6% plan to vote for someone else, and 2% are undecided. The majority of Georgia voters, 58%, expect Kemp to win, whereas 42% expect Abrams to win. Exactly half of Georgia voters are very or somewhat favorable, have a very or somewhat favorable view of Herschel Walker, while 46% have a somewhat or very unfavorable view of Walker. 47% have a very or somewhat favorable view of Warnock, and 46% have a somewhat or very unfavorable view of Warnock. So it looks like uh, he, both of them are floating. Right, that they both have a positive view. It looks like on top of Walker leading, Kemp is leading by an even wider margin. Um, in fact, in the primaries, um, Georgia has never seen a turnout like we saw with the Republicans um, for Kemp. Uh, we have been averaging in the last several uh, midterm primaries, Republicans. I say we, uh, Republicans have been averaging a, I think it's around five or 600,000 vote total for all candidates in the gubernatorial races. And Democrats have been averaging around a five to 600,000 vote total. 
what I have found is that it seems as though in every in every uh, midterm election going back at least three or four cycles, what whichever party had the larger turnout in the primary, that vote total difference. So let's say the Democrats had a total of 600,000 votes and Democrats had a total of 700,000 votes. Even though they increase and the total votes for each candidate might go to 2 million apiece or close to it, um, the actual number of votes that a candidate, that the candidate wins by is almost always pretty much identical to the turnout difference in the primary, meaning that in this scenario, with a 100,000 vote difference, they both get around 2 million, but it's that one the, the Republican got 2.5 million and there uh, are 2.1 million and the Democrat got 2 million. That it's a 100,000 vote difference that holds on. If that holds with this election, which I have no reason to suspect that it won't, if that holds with this election, Kemp uh, would win by a large margin, um, possibly 60% of the vote. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, right? I'm not saying that. Um, but it is a big deal because Dem- Republicans outvoted Democrats in the primary election by some 600,000 votes. It was about 600,000 to 1.2 million votes. That's a lot. It's a huge deal. Now, Walker got pretty much the same amount of votes. Everybody who voted for Kemp voted for Walker. Um, And it was the same for Abrams. Everybody who voted for Abrams voted for Warnock. It it kind of, you know, coattails type thing. It you people seem to vote down the party line. Democrats, whenever this information came out back at the uh, primary uh results as they came out, Democrats made the statement, well, Democrats are crossing over because it is an open primary in Georgia, and that they were voting as Republicans so that they could get Kemp because Stacey Abrams would beat Kemp. And that might be the case. That might have happened. But there's only evidence for that of around 30,000 people crossing over uh, who had voted previously Democrat in in any of the last three or four elections. Remember, we're 600, the the Democrats lost, were behind the Republicans by 600,000 votes approximately, and only 30,000 crossed over that we have proof of. That's not enough to do it. I'm, again, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, it, but it, I did find it to be interesting. I will say this. I am not going to mince words. I do not wish Stacey Abrams to win. I do not think that she is going to do a good job. I think that she will only increase the misery of the state that the current Democrat policies of Washington are already doing to us. Um, I do not think it's going to be a good thing. If she wins, I think it would be bad. I'm not saying that Kemp is the best. I'm not. But I am saying that he's better than Stacey Abrams so far as I can tell. Now, you can argue back and forth because people will. This is the internet. That's what's going to happen. Many people seem 
to hate Kemp. They also seem to hate Stacey Abrams. I'm not in the camp of either. I do not like the policies that Stacey Abrams pushes or stands for or desires. I do not think they are good policies. But I don't hate her. I wish her the best. I hope she has a great life. I just hope she's not the governor. As far as Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock, you know I'm a Georgia fan. So you know, obviously, I have to like Herschel Walker. Now, as far as policies go, I don't know. I think that he's going to vote with the Republicans, pretty much party line. I don't think he's going to do anything outside of the norm of that, um, which can be good and bad in many cases. But I think he would be the better option to Warnock, who, again, supports many of the same policies that Stacey Abrams does. Now, I've told you that I'm neither a Republican or a Democrat. I will vote for who I think will do the best job. But I will be honest, that is more often than not becoming Republican as almost the only option. Now, do I want to vote Republican? No, I don't. I don't have a re- really a preference on on the party. I just want you to be a a good person that has good policies, and you will you will stand by those and not lie to me. That's what I want. Um, I regularly get that, um, but I know that the people who are openly claiming the bad policies, I do not want in. At least with the other party, at least they will lie to me and pretend like they're not going to do the bad policies. Again, this is why I'm not a Republican. I don't like either party. I don't trust either party. I think that it would be best if neither party was in power, but that's not the options we have today, so there we go. Now, I wanted to read that to you. I wanted you to kind of be aware of what's going on in Georgia with this upcoming primary election, or not primary, but general election for the midterms. It's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a very, very big deal. If the Republicans take power, there's going to be a huge change in the investigatory power that is put on the government. Right now, Democrats are pretty well shielding their good old boys, their people that they that they want to win. They, they're not really bothering with them. The Republicans aren't going to do that, right? They're going to go after the other side. I, I want the Republicans to go after both sides. In all honesty, I want them to get rid of the corruption, period. I don't care if it's blue or red. Get rid of the corruption. That's what I want. Now, that's going to be the end of today's podcast. It was a good one, I think. We covered a lot of stuff, but sadly, all good things have to come to an end, and so it is with this. Remember to like, subscribe, and share this podcast to everyone you know. Let them know what you're learning. Make sure to like and comment on on YouTube and let your friends know that that's where you saw us. But until next time, guys, I'm your host, Zach, and this has been Zach's Fact Shack. We'll see you again next time.